Support for this podcast comes from JCPenney. This holiday, our in-person gatherings may be a bit more intimate, and our virtual ones bigger than ever. But no matter how traditions change, what's most important is celebrating special moments with the people who matter most. JCPenney has all the best gifts all in one place, making it easy to send your warmest season's greetings to loved ones near and far. Looking for the perfect gifts for everyone on your list? We'll be back soon with some of our top gift picks. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Have a fantastic episode for you today. I, I shared with you guys late in last year, early this year, I've been saying I've been trying to maybe mix things up a little bit more on the podcast, even introduce some uh, some guest co-hosts, maybe trying to do rather than just one-on-ones, getting a couple more uh, heads in the room, and, and it's been a lot of fun so far. And continuing in that experiment, I have one of my very best friends in the whole wide Aww. world. He's, he's touring around with me for a week, doing a couple stand-up signs shows we actually lived we were roommates um, for a a little over a year or so in the dumpiest house in all of la (laughs) hilarious comedian steve gillespie everybody hey guys how you doing uh they are fantastic i know it because they're listening to this podcast and they just love this podcast can't get enough of it today i am in tampa talking with associate professor of psychology at the university of tampa Scott Husband is joining me. Yay. Hey, Scott. How are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So, this is exciting for me today. We're going to be talking a little bit about some visual system mm-hmm. stuff, probably some some dopamine. I get down some bird dopamine, brains. Some bird We're going to do it all. What do you do? <laughs> what do you uh, to give people a little bit of uh, an overview mm-hmm. of some of your background? Well, so uh, like around here, I'm known as you know the bird brain guy. So uh, <laughs> I don't take that personally though, because birds are pretty smart. So I like kind of like my big overarching thing is uh, brain evolution. And so I like to look at other animals' brains and see how they compare to ours and how is ours different? How is it similar? And birds, as far as an organism goes, we've had like 300 million years of separate evolution. And so I'm curious as to how their brains like do what they do because they can do some pretty interesting stuff. They can do tool use and they, they can do some pretty interesting cognitive stuff and they can navigate and they do all of that with like a pretty small brain. So, so I'm interested you- in like the architecture of their brain and stuff. When you hear someone say bird brain, you right. get you do you stop them and I'm like, that's a compliment, like, man. You gotta know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean the, the things they can do with a brain that's it's organized pretty differently than like a mammal brain or you know, obviously a human brain. Yeah. But uh, they can do it all in a pretty small package and uh-huh. you know, they do it really well. So yeah, bird brain's are like a, a compliment for sure. What what are they working with? They got they got some smooth brains or they got it all clumped together? They got So the- yeah, so the the outer part of their brain is not wrinkly like a mammal brain. Okay. Right. It's pretty smooth. Um, um, but what we, what some of my work and my colleagues' work has shown that even though it's not organized into like you know a cortex, which is that layered mm-hmm. kind of wrinkly stuff on a human brain or any you know most mammal brains, um, they still have the same kind of groups of neurons. Like they're they're similar, but they're just organized differently because they've got again you know a whole hundred couple hundred years of separate evolution. So. It is kind of amazing because you look at primates that have much larger brains right. and we're like, whoa, they can use a tool. Mm-hmm. Like they can stick a, uh, they can put a stick in and, and get ants right. and look the incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bird brain is like, what, 100th the size of. Right. Of, yeah. And it depends on the bird, you know, I mean, because sometimes when you say, you know, are birds smart? I'm like, well, which bird? They're yeah. not like all one thing. Like there's like thousands of species. You yeah. Know? So usually it's like the crows and the ravens and the jays. They get like the most props for being a smart, like a smart bird. And they've been shown to use tool use. They can do it in the lab. They can do it not having been trained to do it. And they also have been shown to do it in the wild. Hmm. So they, they can use sticks to manipulate things. And um, there was this one experiment with uh, chimps, or actually, I think it was with chimps. They, um, they put a peanut at the bottom of a, a long like tube, and they, the, there was a peanut at the bottom. 
and there's no way they could reach it with their hands or whatever. And so the chimps had the insight to uh, go get some water and spit in it until it floated to the top, right? And wow. then, they could, then they could reach it. In fact, one chimp actually peed in the tube because that was his solution, right? S- same basic idea. Yeah. Right? But birds can do that too. Like there's a book, a bird called a rook, which is like a raven. Yeah. And uh, they put a pile of stones and a little tube because uh, ravens and crows, they're carrying, I mean, they eat meat and stuff like that. And um, the, the raven kind of looked at the pile of rocks and he looked at the, the container with uh, that, the piece of meat at the bottom, had a little bit of water in it, uh, but it wasn't high enough. And then he started picking up rocks in his beak and dropping them in the tube until the displacement, you know, came wow. up and he could reach it. Wow. So I'm like, you know, chimps are not that great. Right. <laughs> birds can do it. That's amazing. Yeah, just a little closer. When you say that birds are smart or mm-hmm. or this, I mean, do you ever say like this bird's smarter than this bird or is that kind of like a false comparison or, or do you have, because sometimes people are like, right. well, smart is relative to evolution they're adapted to these skill sets or 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 are there like something that along the same do you have like iq tests for birds type (laughs) of things when you're yeah well i mean you're right you got to kind of pay attention to kind of what is their natural environment like what what kinds of stuff do they do so you Mm -hmm. you can't ask like it's like asking a rat who's mainly like kind of smell centric to do really complicated visual stuff like if they just you know and if they fail at that you're like oh they're dumb but no, they're just not, that's not how they like deal with the world, hmm. you know? So if you define intelligence as kind of being flexible, right, then birds can show that kind of flexibility. Uh, and some birds more than others, like turkeys are pretty freaking dumb, I think. I mean, sorry, turkey lovers out there. <laughs> um, I know, I know. Um, chickens, pretty good, right? Okay. Pigeons, pretty good. But the ravens and the jays and the crows kind of usually take the top prize because now, they show that kind of flexibility and stuff. Are they, I'm interested in the, this the idea of like migration and mm-hmm. you were saying navigation right i mean are they like you know way advanced when it comes to navigation compared oh, yeah. to other an- ma- other mammals and- yeah so a lot of that work has been done um in pigeons right so you like the whole phenomenon of homing pigeons and stuff like that mm. and the british like the british are nuts about racing pigeons and you yeah know, all this kind of stuff so you can take a pigeon um you know they have a home roost and then you can put them in a box right totally dark drive them you know couple 10 15 miles away in some direction let them go and they fly back home like how 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 do they do do that that? they didn't see anything right yeah so we think it's like a more of a magnetic like sense in their brain and so they can somehow sense the magnetic field of the earth or what have you or maybe polarized light or something like that so they have kind of a sense of east you know north southeast west and they can kind of like do that and so i have some colleagues that work on you know what is that like to sense that? Like, do they see magnetic fields mm. or is it just like a, a sense for them or, you know, something like we have nothing even like that, you know? Huh. Yeah. Like do I they- get lost trying to find the mall or something. Yeah. Right. And these guys are, you know, in a sealed up box and yeah. they can find their way home. Like I'd be totally lost. What a weird <laughs> Ask my wife. I for a totally bird lost. though. When you just <laughs> yeah. get kidnapped and then all of a sudden it's like, what just happened? It's like taken. Okay. Yeah. I, guess I, I'll just I will back. find you. Yeah. 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 They can make it back. So I guess they don't even need to. You you go out for the day. You don't even need to pay attention. They don't. They don't need like an app to remember where they <laughs> where they left their car in the parking yeah. lot or whatever. They right. just have a, a mag. Maybe they're detecting uh, something magnetic. Yeah, it seems like some some people have speculated that there might be like little tiny like magnetite something or others in their like retina, hmm. and so they could literally see like these, whatever it would look like for them, I have no idea, but it would look like these kind of lines of force kind of sort of. Cool. That hasn't really been well supported, but mm. I mean, it's one, you know, like one idea, like was how it, do they do it? Was it a real thing back in the day that they would use them to send messages? Is that a real? Yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. Um, oh, wow. There was, uh, oh, there's some pigeon who was given like the French Medal of Honor in World War One because she flew you know, missions where they would put um, notes on their leg, right? Yeah. And they, they had been trained that their home roost was like headquarters or whatever. Yeah. And, and they would fly back to deliver the message. And so Germans, you know, the Germans in the trenches had sharpshooters whose job it was take, wow. out, the, take out the pigeon, you know, because it was the only way they could communicate. So yeah, there's like hero pigeons, you know, so respect, respect to pigeons. Yeah. Wow. Like you see them in the park, uh, right? Yeah. You know, everywhere. I Even if they crap on your car, still respect them, you know. I'm going to share a story with you. Okay. It's share time with Shane. You're probably going to think I'm crazy. I It's it's likely that I misperceived what the situation okay. was. But I Anecdotal swear, I was, in, yeah. I was in Sydney, Australia. And uh, and this, you know, there's 
there's pigeons mm-hmm. out and about in this area that I'm walking by. And I think I, I did have like some sort of food in my hand, uh, some bread or something. And I wasn't really paying attention. And then I, I looked down and there's this one pigeon with one leg. Mm, yeah. And I just kind I of like a lot, actually. felt bad for this pigeon. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't going there to feed the birds or whatever, but I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's got it hard enough. All right, okay. I'll bust off some bread. And I, and I throw the bread to it. And then his second leg drops down. Damn. He totally suckered you. And was that like some Pavlovian, like one day someone's walking by, it just happened to have its leg up yeah. randomly, and then this food just yeah. drops down in from, front of it and then just puts I'd together. I'd say that's a pretty good hypothesis. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Okay, you so put your a, leg hey, up that, and that for works. some reason, yeah. <laughs> food yeah. just drops oh, in no, front please, of sir. You. It's like the tiny Tim of pigeons. Like, oh, please, sir. <laughs> yeah. Just a crust of bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought about it because you talk a lot about I mean yours is in terms of visual perception but yeah. um the dopamine system which is um my understanding kind of first exposure mm-hmm. kind kind of a reward but then migrates back yeah. in the process to be a, a motivator right often. yeah yeah so right. so part of my work is in the visual system and then part of it is uh, like on the evolution of the dopamine system mm-hmm. and again using birds is kind of a model and so dopamine is a signal that basically you know tells your brain you know so if you're like motivated to get food it kind of dopamine that dopamine signal drives you to go get that thing mm-hmm. whether you're thirsty or whether you're hungry or the sex drive or whatever uh, and then you get a little burst of dopamine when you get that thing Right. Hmm. And so that's like a, we call it kind of a teaching signal. It it tells you, Hey, this was, you needed this, you got it. Go do that again. Right. When you have that drive or that motivation or whatever. Hmm. Can you train yourself to get that dopamine boost for other things? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When things become habits, you know, habits are just kind of like these, these kind of automatic dopamine driven, um, things that, you know, things become habitual when you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just something you do, you know? So they say like for behavior change, you know, if you're trying to do a diet or exercise or whatever, it takes like, um, I think, I think they always quote like three or four weeks or Mm -hmm. a certain number of hours to kind of make it automatic where you don't have to like think about it. Ah. And those are the best thing, you know, because once it's a habit, then you don't have to spend a lot of cognitive time deciding whether to do it and you just just do it. You know, it's just, you wake up, you do it and done. So. Yeah, I guess it's it is tricky to figure out what is intelligence. I mean, if you, I think the average person when they think about intelligence, like what would intelligence look like? People mm-hmm. would be like, well, they must just have more activation or something like yeah. that in their in their brain. But a lot of times, it's just people that have trained the right habits or mm-hmm. animals that have the the right instincts. I had an episode, man, I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> but I had an episode recently talking about language and mm-hmm. how language is formed in the brain. And no, that's a was, complicated subject. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. It was yeah. fascinating. And one thing that blew me away was she was putting different people in, in MRIs and she was talking about um, polyglots. That's the word mm. for people that know a bunch of languages. Right, right. Um, and when, when she puts them in and then gives them language tests, you would... Uh, you would think what you would see is like these people just have the super part of the language mm. brain, like way more activation. Right. They actually have less. Mm. It's like that yeah. part of the brain has figured out more efficient pathways yeah. right. for yeah. language processing. Yeah, that's common for a lot of that brain imaging stuff is, is when you don't see activation, it may not be that brain area is not involved. It just means it's so good at it. Mm. That like So if you have a, like an expert chess player and you put him under a scanner while he's playing chess, the brain's actually humming along at a pretty low level. Whereas a novice or somebody who's just kind of a, you know intermediate, uh, their brain's like working, churning really hard because they're trying to figure out the next moves. Whereas somebody who plays chess a lot, it's more automatic. It's kind of like yeah. a habit thing. It's like, like patterns. They see patterns like instantaneously, like what, what the next move is going to be in three moves ahead. They've got so much experience and so much practice mm-hmm. that it doesn't really tax their brain that much. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're coming to stand up science, um, potentially mm-hmm. tonight to check out the show. Um, and maybe going to be on in the future. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, 
time that I come through again. Mm -hmm. But you'll get to see, I think if you see Steve and I perform, you'll be like, yeah. man, they're using like no part of their <laughs> brain. That's, that's incredible. What it's interesting about <laughs> Don't that, Don't think no. too hard. Yeah, just let it, <laughs> let it flow. Let it flow, man. Well, that's kind of what it is, yeah, too. Yeah. It's like if you can back off, like mm -hmm. that, you, when you get to the point where you know your material so well and right. you can back your brain off, that's mm -hmm. when the magic starts to happen where you can like be in the moment and yeah. improvise right. and pick up those things, those moments that are like really, and that's when crowds, you know, you really feel like you connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're loose, it's a, it's why why alcohol can be such a crutch for people too, because <laughs> right. there's not the same like second guessing yourself yeah. or mm -hmm. everything else. That yeah, you happens. Just, just say what you feel and just let yeah. it. Yeah. Hmm. So what in the world is intelligent? It'd be, because going back to the pigeon mm -hmm. example, you know, if say the pigeon was you kidnap a pigeon and it's like sitting in a box and it's kind of. And like, oh, that felt like we turned right. Mm, that felt like right. we turned left. And then and then it gets up there and it's figuring out and looking for clues. And right. That, to me, like has this quality of mm -hmm. feeling more like intelligence. Yeah, it's just not like a blank stare. It's, it's figuring stuff out. Yeah. But just going and using mm -hmm. some homing mechanism, um, that seems something that's like second nature. Right. We don't, we don't tend to... Um, value that as much yeah as but whenever we use the words like innate or intel or like instinct mm -hmm. it's kind of like synonymous with dumb like it's this automatic stimulus response mm -hmm. like thing mm -hmm. but it's not that's not really true like there's mm -hmm. a lot of complex stuff behind that it seems easier for them because they do it right so it's just like vision you open your eyes and you see but when you study it you realize how complicated all that stuff is to get light from your retina into the brain like processing edges and shadows and colors and movement and like mm. that's a complicated like computational thing your brain is doing just like seemingly instantaneously right mm. but we've got a brain that's really well tuned for that mm. yeah we're like yeah sure you can migrate to another part of the world mm -hmm. but can you get this piece of meat out of this tube <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> try that with no hands yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and that's one thing too. Is you know, if, if you look at our uh, animals intelligent, think about like dolphins, right? So everybody's oh, dolphins are so smart and all that kind of stuff, and they are, right? They're very social and and they and they have kind of a language, right? That maybe we don't understand. But one of the things kind of holding them back is they don't have hands. Like they can't make stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They have been shown to use tools, kind of sorta. Like they'll use, um, they'll put a piece of sponge, like a natural sponge, you know, on the end of their nose to probe into like sharp coral and stuff to chase crabs or oh, wow. fish out or something but but they're limited because you know they got these flippers that they can't do the kinds of stuff we can do with our hands that know? is so the whole tool use thing really in interesting yeah. point so you you give you give dolphins hands and they they're oh they're taking over, over the man. Yeah, yeah. The they are the new overlords yeah <laughs> we, we gotta put water everywhere and just you know accommodate them yeah well did Fascinating. it flipper used to solve crimes wasn't that what flipper did <laughs> those are all true stories is, is <laughs> yeah. what i understand yeah <laughs> Uh, well, let's not forget about Lassie. Was there ever a bird version? Let's make a bird version of one there of should those be shows. like a bird detective. I can see like yeah. a crow with like a little Sherlock Holmes hat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> solving crimes. That feels yeah. like it's or a parrot, good. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Parrot would have catchphrases. That's a very good TV oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of memes. Very meme worthy. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of the visual system, so are they still, is it similar-ish processes? Like, uh, is the image coming in flipped yeah, in a bird brain right. and, and the same kind of circuitry going? Yeah, it's, it's similar. Um, it depends on the bird, obviously. Like, you know, um, so some birds, they have, um, you know, we have, a, we have a phobia, which is where we can focus our attention. It's like right in the center of our eye, give or take. Uh, some birds, especially like pigeons, here's pigeons again, uh, they have um, two fovea. So they can focus kind of on stuff far away because there might be predators, right? And there's also a, like a really close up, like myopic fovea for looking at stuff on the ground because that's where they feed. Hmm. Right? They, they feed on stuff on the ground. And a lot of the visual processing of birds gets done at the level of the retina, um, where ours is kind of shifted back to the brain a bit more. Hmm. But uh, the pathways are similar. That's some of the work I did early on is showing that even though their, their brain is organized differently, they've got these two parallel visual pathways that look kind of similar to ours. So, so they have bifocals just in. Yeah. And within one naturally. eye. Yeah. Because huh. <laughs> they, um, they have to, you know, they gotta, they, right. because they have eyes on the side of their head, mm -hmm. they're looking out for predators, right? And sudden movements and stuff like that while they're also eating. So they're kind of like splitting their attention between looking out for predators and, you know, eating grain or the bread you gave that one pigeon. Right? Mm. Um, and they're, they're having to kind of multitask. How are they 
with with an eye on each side yeah how are they putting together depth perception in a, in a 3d um image well that is a good question that's a very sophisticated question i'm very I, I, impressed with that because yeah. it's kind of i think is isn't that why pigeons like bob so their the head heads, bob so thing can... the head bob thing is because they don't have ocular muscles like they can't move their eyes like we do so to stabilize their gaze they actually move their head and then the body catches up and they move their head and the body catches up. So it looks like they're bobbing, but they've done like these high speed huh. video things. Whoever thought to do this, I don't know, but they, they actually move their Someone head first. Someone just got a high speed video camera. <laughs> and they're like, let's yeah. film pigeons because yeah. pigeons are everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then they showed, so they can't move their eyes, right? So that's one thing. And when you have lateral eyes, you have very, very limited binocular vision. Like, mm-hmm. like it's a super small little like sliver of their vision but try to sneak up on a pigeon because they can literally almost see like 360 degrees i think wow. it's like something like 320 oh, wow. or something like that because and so they don't have very much binocular like in the front just a little tiny sliver like when they're eating on the ground or whatever and that would be different from like a falcon or a hawk or something hmm. they're like super good at long distance vision right so it just depends on the bird like what kind of you know what their ecology is like and kind of what they've evolved to be really good at you know how many parallels are there with brain size and what we're kind of trying to get out of intelligence here? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like it seems like species with larger brains tend to. I know that whales have pretty large brains, and a sure. lot of it's just kind of moving their body and right, really right. Um, used for like I don't know navigation or mm-hmm. quote unquote thinking. Um, but I, I know that in in humans. There doesn't seem to be much of a correlation between mm-hmm. brain size and intelligence. When they, I, I think, what was that uh, when they used to measure heads? Oh, phrenology. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, that, right. and that guy that was like, well, the bigger the brain, the smarter you are. Mm-hmm. And ironically, when they uh, when when uh, they gave him an autopsy after he died, he had a smaller than average. Right. <laughs> um, Maybe it was just brain. really efficient. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so brain size, obviously, you know, if you talk about like. Oh, blue whales got a huge brain. Well, obviously got a huge body, right? Mm-hmm. That that kind of goes along with it. So there are a lot of um, there are a lot of like uh, ways to kind of scale brain and body relationships, right? So mm-hmm. they do these like um, ratios between brain weight and body weight and all that kind of stuff, and that gives you like a rough measure of do you you know for a, an animal of a given size, is their brain bigger than you would expect based on their body size? And if it is, all right, well, then maybe that's a, you know, a really rough proxy of their intelligence, right? Their brain is bigger than you would expect, right? So humans have a bigger brain than you would expect for a primate of our size. I see. Uh, but then there's also the efficiency question. Like, so it, bigger is not always better. It just depends on how the neurons are kind of packed in there and, you know, hmm. how they're connected and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. So it's kind of an indirect way of, you know, saying, oh, that, that animal's probably intelligent because their brain is bigger than you would expect. Yeah. Right. Because bigger animals have bigger livers and bigger kidneys and like, so what? Right. But if the brain is bigger than you would expect for the body size, then you got something that mm. maybe you're, you know, a proxy for intelligence. In, in the same way, or a place you can to start kind of anyway. Look at um, the size of the genitals in certain mammals too and kind of be like, well, there must be a little more kind of sperm competition going on. Oh, there. you know about sperm competition. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Well, that's, that's why you gr- can't stop talking. I mean, about that, was, I that was maybe I the first thing <laughs> I liked about it. I was like, oh, you know kinda, what? Maybe science is. It just kind of sticks with you. Thing. Um, well, that's kind of so. Very good. I actually sir. teach a, a class in evolutionary psychology, right? Uh, I love evolutionary and psychology. And we do this comparative thing of, you know, testicle size, yeah. sperm competition. Yeah. And, you know, gorillas, the reason they always look so angry is they have a really small penis. Like, because they don't do sperm competition because the alpha you fight basically controls the females, right? You, and, and, you know, until he gets older and you can challenge his dominance, yeah. he's really the only one, you know, basically. And we're doing, fertilizing we're doing all the females. dominance so, challenges. You want those testicles on the inside of, of the body. That would be true. Yeah. That would be true as well. Yeah. Yeah. But chimps, on the other hand, have huge testicles mm. because most females in a, in a primate group like chimps they mate with all the males mm-hmm. that way the males aren't sure which infant is theirs yeah, and so everybody everybody kind of helps out raises the yeah. kids they don't do you know what we call infanticide which is kill the young of another you mm-hmm. know another male so females solve that problem in chimps by mating with everybody when mm-hmm. they go into estrus and then Whose kid is who? I don't know. Right? It's like a Maury Povich show. Like, yeah, what, I had what, sex with sixteen men, and <laughs> this kid may not be yours. You know, what? Wouldn't that be a disadvantage, like evolutionarily wise, for the apes to do that? To be, where to only, where all the female apes are only getting their sperm from one ape. 
Yeah, they probably want to mix it up, right? right? So, yeah, if you think about the whole sperm competition, which Shane just loves talking about, um, <laughs> is they, they've done stuff came, like came measuring. Came here to talk about, bir- <laughs> by the way, this is how every single episode of the Here We Are podcast is gone. <laughs> Sometimes I have someone on talking about, like, um, uh, you know, the myelin sheathing and, mm-hmm. and neurons to uh, that are, um, you know, degenerating when people mm-hmm. have multiple sclerosis. And I'll just try to steer it <laughs> into sperm competition. But what about? the role of sperm uh, in these diseases yeah Yeah, but so they've had people like measuring the speed of sperm and and the volume and all this can you imagine like sitting there with a stopwatch and watching watching the sperm go across a slide or whatever oh yeah Uh, fascinating stuff but but yeah so it it would make sense that within the female's reproductive tract there's still even Mm -hmm. sperm competition going on Mm -hmm. so females are you know depending on the species some some primates are super monogamous so are some birds uh, and some are more like seasonally monogamous and then some, you know, like like chimps and bonobos, which are a kind of chimp, basically, um, they're pretty promiscuous in that sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that way they're kind of getting the best possible sperm to fertilize mm-hmm. the eggs. And, you know, that's how it goes. Well, uh, so, I mean, uh, back to inferring things, because there's all sorts of, you know, you can also look at, say... The sexual dimorphism, how, yeah. how much larger a male is mm-hmm. than a female and and maybe infer some things about their behavior right. if, say, you just have, you know, dinosaur bones to work mm-hmm. with or something like that. Right. So you could potentially do this with, like, say, a pterodactyl. You just hmm. look and... Right? Are there people yeah. that do this? And, and, and yeah, and di- so- dimorphisms like dimorphism usually see more well, dimorphism in um, where males have to super compete, mm-hmm. you know, for females, mm-hmm. uh, and then they have the ability to like like got gorillas. Like gorillas, male gorillas are massive compared to females. Right. Whereas in chimps, it's a little more like they're not as different, you know, body size wise. So it's, it's like a rough proxy for potentially like the mating system right for, that, right for that group yeah so so um along those lines you can make you can potentially make similar inferences about the intelligence of a pterodactyl yeah uh, right yeah. so so if a pterodactyl has a larger or smaller brain mm-hmm. than you would expect for that body size then yeah. you can say like Maybe these pterodactyls were able to get meat out of tubes of, <laughs> right. of rocks as well, yeah. right? Yeah, because you can, um, even though brains don't fossilize, you can actually tell a lot about, because the brain usually sits pretty well inside like the brain case. Like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of extra space there. So when you see the, when you measure the skull size and, you know, if you go inside it and you, they can, you know, scan it and like make a 3D model of the brain and all this kind of stuff, you can get a pretty good estimation of what the brain looked like, mm-hmm. even though the brain's not going to be fossilized. So mm-hmm. yeah, you could definitely do those kinds of measurements. So I have a few questions, but sure. one, I have one just like in the back. Of <laughs> I always have the dumbest question that's like, don't say that, just, don't say just that. Just screaming and in your just head. Just like, do it. Nagging. Do it. You already did the sperm I, competition. I, I, what I, can I, you lose? Come on. Well, Steve. I was curious. Uh, uh, Steve, you got a favorite bird out there? I was going to ask him spot? that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not yeah, favorite that bird. Question. But no, yeah. you don't get you don't get to answer until we're done. Okay. Because otherwise, <laughs> you're going to answer, and then I'm going to get all self conscious about like trying to come up with a good <laughs> that one. bird's stupid. Why is she? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of dumb, I I mean, it's going to be between like a uh, bald eagle, just because mm. I think they're beautiful. Birds. That's America. Yeah. Very patriotic. Very exactly. patriotic. But also, I've always really liked the dodo birds. They're just yeah. a hilarious yeah. bird to me. And the fact that they got wiped out just because they were basically really dumb. Really I'm, dumb or super tame, you could also comment. Because oh, they just had no natural yeah. fear of humans. So we went in yeah, there and just right. plucked them all up. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to do, we're going to see who wins. Okay. We're going to do a one, two, three, and then you and I will say at the same time our okay. favorite verb. See if it's the same one or if you're wrong. Um, <laughs> all right. Are right, you got it? I'm ready. Uh, all right. I'll yeah. do a three. Okay. One, two, three. Vulture. Power bird. Oh. You say vulture? I said vulture. Right. Oh, see, vulture but is. All respect to bower birds. They're pretty yeah, awesome, too. Yeah, what did yeah. you say, Shane? Bowerbird. Bowerbird. Bowerbirds are the ones they make the big nests on the ground and have, like, they decorate them with all of the. It's like their bachelor pad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the more about... they decorate it, the more the women like it. Sorry. Ah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's the male incredible. is doing the nesting. Yeah. Well, so, so well, it's not the... really a nest. It's. Um, it's just what, an advertisement. It's, it's like a super display. Yeah. And they collect like feathers and uh, flowers and they'll even, if they find like artificial stuff, like a bottle cap or something like sure. that, they, they arrange them and they like certain colors, right? And so yeah. they'll, they'll put them around the bower. And then if the female likes it, she ascends to mate with them and then they'll do go they off mate, and make a nest. Do they mate for the in the, 
the bro pad? I think they do. Yeah, I yep. think they do. And the, the bowerbird yeah. does like a little dance, right? And, he, and yeah. he's calling, and the female comes down, checks him out, and then if she decides, yeah, he's, he's pretty cool, then they'll you know do the deed and then go off and make an actual nest for the mm-hmm. eggs and stuff. So the bower is just for just like display. Yeah. Some, it's just kind of like if you have like a really fancy apartment in Manhattan. Right, just, if right. You can just get a lady back there. Yeah, yeah, but Game overlooking over. the city, yeah. a big TV, you know, yeah. you're set, you're good to yeah. go. Um, they even have one of the, the. They sometimes like paint the inside of like their little hall. They even do. Uh, they even they even have. Um, oh, what's the name of that phenomenon that they use in movies a lot to skew? perception yeah, like forced perspective For, forced perspective yeah, okay. they have the tunnel starts wide and gets narrow so oh, i didn't even know that if they stand yeah. back further they like appear it's like what they do with like disney larger. or something right? females. <laughs> that's yeah, advanced yeah yeah, yeah. So, another thing they do too is males will destroy other males bowers yeah like they, they'll go attack steal, them st- steal stuff, stuff or just destroy it when he's not there so to the female wow. it's a signal that oh this guy can defend his apartment right his, yeah. his nest whatever yeah um and I mean, it's you know, a so mansion. He, yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. So, so what's cool about vultures? Vultures are, um, you know, I was going to say pigeons, but you know, we've we've given a lot yeah, of props. We to pigeons all already. love pigeons. The thing about You're pigeons right is vultures they're adaptive. are underrepresented. Yeah, people you know, people are real vulture haters. With, you know, death and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but you know, vultures are there providing a valuable service, right? Mm-hmm. They're pretty social, right? They're always kind of together, munching on a carcass, you yeah. know, shooting the breeze. They <laughs> they soar up in the sky, right? They're they're smelling for. You know, dead stuff. Yeah. So if I'm reincarnated, if I have to choose a bird, I think I'm going to go vulture because they're social. There's always stuff to eat. Yeah. Right. And you can kind of soar on the thermals and just kind of relax and Mm. wait for something to die. Sounds like a good thing. Are there any predators that eat vultures? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. Not that I I don't think so. Mm. So what keeps vultures in check then? I don't know. You've got me stumped. I stumped an, on, it's on vulture culture. <laughs> I don't know. Why isn't there just vultures everywhere? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing can kill. I could. These I could think maybe like a maybe a coyote or something would take down a vulture. You know, mm. but I don't know. That's a darn good question. Maybe it's just not that easy getting yeah, living off true. scraps. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So do I a get a PhD question, now? Steve. Yeah, you're yeah. done. Yeah, I, I, I actually have the power to write the, that. Yeah, yeah. Can you? I mean, I haven't earned mine. Yet, I have a but scepter and the whole Steve deal. Steve, a PhD. Yeah. That'd yeah. be terrific. Um, <laughs> how about this, bud? You come along for one week on the tour. You get yourself a PhD. You ready to set up shop? Yeah. Um, I so all right. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in a new virtual room. Collaborate live, building ideas on the same page. And see more of your team on screen at once. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Related question. Uh, new game. So what, what's, <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's that bird that can mimic like any sound like chainsaws uh, oh i you know think there's a couple about. um um and like is it a minor, minor bird i, I want to say it's a minor bird but there, there might be another one i'm not thinking of but yeah mm. they're really good at being able to manipulate their their like voices right and so I, i've heard i've seen birds do like the the clicks of a camera like a camera shutter uh-huh. you know? and i've heard um obviously voices and stuff like that but mm. yeah how they do that is amazing like how they, they control it and copy you know that sound and well, why do you think they're doing it why do you think they are copying everything i think it's because i mean um so for some birds they learn their song it's not like they're born out of the egg knowing their song they actually have to have a tutor and so they're what we call vocal learners right they're one of the few animals that are vocal learners so other animals make noises but it's like more instinctual it's more just you know they're kind of born with it uh, whereas a bird, some birds, especially the songbirds, they can kind of chirp and make some sounds. But unless they have normal exposure, typically to their father's song, they don't develop a full like song. So I think maybe among the parrots and things like that, they learn certain vocalizations, um, you know, 
naturally to communicate with each other. And then, you know, the ability to mimic other sounds is just kind of like a an after effect. Mm. Kind of like so a So they're knock, almost just like bored. They're like bored in the tree. Yeah, maybe. And another Especially song, a captive like, parrot. They're, they're just saying, I want to make noise and yeah. hear stuff. You know? I mean, the better question for you, Steve, is if you could hear a chainsaw and then just mimic it instantly perfectly why in the world wouldn't yeah. you yeah. <laughs> that would be good for your act too like yeah. they could oh, open yeah. up a whole new dimension right yeah. to your comedy. Comedy. yeah <laughs> i can make any sound yeah that's amazing. just the people one. just shout out sounds you get a whole gig right there yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's actually what, happened yeah that's one of my favorite Michael comedians does a chain a yeah. bit about a chainsaw and has a chainsaw he like does the chainsaw know, no, no, <laughs> I love the idea of comics spending like just yeah. days of their life, like in <laughs> it front sounds of real, dude. Just, yeah, you have to train very hard for that sound. Yeah. yeah. So the game was was uh, I'm see. I think that you're maybe not going to have the answer for this. How dare you? But I have a PhD. Um, but, but <laughs> I know you, all the answers. If you don't everyone. know what bird it was, yeah. that, that perfectly replicate. Hey, you know what? Doesn't matter. Say say parrot whatever that yeah. that does these this mimicking. So. Let's use parrot actually. Right. Parrot, and I want Steve and I to both guess, and then you hopefully tell us the okay. answer. You, you take a parrot or a bowerbird. Which one do you think has a higher? So one has this impressive ability to mimic, the other has this impressive ability to create this whole display and all that. Which one do you think has a larger brain to body ratio? Hmm. And therefore, potentially more intelligent. But I, mean, I don't know how big a bower bird is, so okay. that's going to be hard for me. Well, I still I know how big it is. I have no idea. It's brain to body ratio. <laughs> Basically, which one is smarter by okay. that standard? I'm going to go with the vocal, the parrot. Oh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's power bird. <laughs> it is power bird once again. Is it uh, power bird for the win? I have no idea. <laughs> Do you know? But I think it's parrots. I think, it? I think. Well, parrots? it depends on the species of parrot. If if we're going to go get all technical and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the species of the parrot, I do know that that um, they've done brain size comparisons with bower birds and closely related species. So, like, so there's a there's a there's multiple species of bower birds, and there's ones that don't really build bowers, and then there's one something called a catbird, which is like phylogenetically, like evolutionarily kind of related to bowerbirds and the bowerbird has the biggest brain of them all in mm -hmm. terms of body size so you know it takes apparently some brain power to be able to do that building and you know all that stuff this is just doing this podcast has really been just one of the more humbling things in my life i always find out some new thing today uh find out that i have a real bowerbird bias yeah, my, yeah. In my life, I just like you're all a, about the bowerbirds. Really, a, a bowerbird tinted lenses through which I now, see. Now, if bowerbirds had sperm competition, <laughs> you've wow. got a whole new thing. Don't even. You're going to go get your PhD me with that. and make that your life's mission. Right there. Um, are there any birds out there that you're shocked by? Uh, either, either they have a really large mm -hmm. brain ratio, right? Um, and they can't do near what you'd think they'd be able to <laughs> or really small and they're able to do way more than you would expect. Hmm. Uh, let's see. The only thing that comes to mind is maybe hummingbirds. Hmm. Let's see, see, where, see where the brain body ratio stuff kind of breaks down is if you have an animal who's got an unusually big body or an unusually small body, then the ratio, right? That's just math. Um, mm. The ratio gets a little weird. So, so gorillas have a brain that's a little bit smaller than you would expect but they're still pretty intelligent animals. So it may be that they're just so massively big, like physically, mm -hmm. that when you calculate the ratio, it makes their brain seem small, kind of by comparison. Mm -hmm. Hummingbirds are obviously small animals, right? And they have a pretty small brain, but their ability to fly the way they do and just like hover, you know, in place mm. uh, is a pretty amazing thing. So they're, they're smarter than I would expect from their brain size. Mm. Even if you scale it for their small, you know, body, they're pretty, they're pretty smart little guys. Mm. Steve has like a really heavy brain. It's impressive. He's like very top heavy. He can barely stay in there. Very easy to push yeah. over. Oh, it's like a wee he's the opposite of a weeble. He just falls over no matter and what. And that's why they call him dense. It's a compliment. <laughs> uh, um, what about um, how much is sexual selection hmm. a factor in this? Because... Right. It it seems like it seems like in songs a lot of times mm -hmm. it's just the males doing right. this and, yeah. and and it doesn't seem like there's a 
often it's a, a tremendous amount of utility right. in being able to sing a song. In mm-hmm. fact, might be incurring unwanted, uh, you know, yeah, right. un- unwanted attention on on yourself. Um, is is there is, is there any kind of distinction that you're able to say in those species where right. where the males able to because it's usually the females just very practical has yeah like they, call, the they call it kind of the land. choosy female principle so they're, they're like actively selecting males mm-hmm. right just through sexual selection and and song can be that like signal building a bower you know that kind of stuff so do those males in those species need a bigger brain or does the female need the same size brain to also be able to judge accurately mm. what is and it is probably, not. I would imagine it cuts both ways. I don't know if anybody's looked at um, female versus male bower brain, bower bird brains. Mm. Maybe they have, I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah. And it also depends, you know, if, if, if that behavior is very like stereotyped, right. Then maybe the brain isn't as big as you would expect. Um, although in bower birds it's definitely true, right. They have a big brain. Mm. Um, but with some birds like songbirds, um, their brain, you know, it depends on the songbird, but their brain's about what you expect, that whole brain-body ratio thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so much of their brain is devoted to that song, right? So males, you know, a big chunk of their brain, this whole system, is for learning song, you know, and reproducing it and stuff like that. And, and a lot of that's learning, which would imply a, a pretty big, you know, brain. But but lots of it, a lot of it is fine-tuned just for song. So they may not show flexibility in like other areas like or intelligent behavior in other areas, whereas they can make this really complex song and they can, you know, birds improvise like they have, they learn part of their song from their father, right? It's mostly males that learn from their father and then they can, they can riff like they'll do, like they'll inject little syllables and different things um, because they're trying to stand out, right? There's a bunch of other males singing and the female we think judges the length of the song and like how much it changes up, like frequency and all this kind of jazz. Hmm. Um jazz they're doing jazz right they're riffing um yeah so it's it's a signal to the female that this guy's got a good brain like he's he's smart he's been able to learn you know at least that thing right um yeah like i'm usually like when a girl is like into me i'm like well she's pretty clever yeah i mean she's she's a good good judge of character absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um i oh shoot Uh, that dumb joke just threw me off the actual good question i was about Hmm. to ask which was about you got anything, Steve? This mm. is, so it it was about oh, this is what it was. It's my understanding that the human visual system commands an enormous part mm-hmm. of what our uh, what our brain right. is doing. Um, yeah, I think the estimate is like seventy yeah. percent of our cortex has yeah. visual like function. That's a not huge, the whole brain, but just the cortex. Yeah. Just just physically, it's a lot. That is a lot of brain. Mm-hmm. That is way 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 more brain than is in a single bird. Right, and and yet birds are able to see, as far as we can tell, mm-hmm. somewhat relatively yeah, pretty good bird, even the, further the, yeah, than I us mean, and like a, you know give a hawk or an eagle some long distance vision thing and they'll just blow us away right mm. or seeing at night an owl is really awesome at seeing at night um so yeah th- their visual systems are at least as good or better hmm. depends on the species and what specific like visual like function you're talking about how are they pulling that off or why are we using that's the golden so question yeah that's why i'm interested in birds is like how do they do that with an art you know a pretty small brain and the architecture is different yeah. and you know it's obviously finely tuned and specialized for you know for vision right because hmm. a lot of animals don't vision isn't their thing right so you know rats a lot of animals dogs cats obviously they can see but they're really smell centric like yeah. do- dogs can know Oh, you know, Fred was here an hour ago. He peed on this tree because because Mm -hmm. they can do it by smell. Um, And we're just visual centric. Like we're lousy smellers, but we're really good at vision. And our our auditory system's pretty good, you know. Mm. But yeah, so much of the brain is devoted to vision because we just evolved. You know, all primates have a pretty decent visual system, unless Mm. they're like nocturnal or something. So Hmm. it's like our thing. Do you ever go the other way in comparisons? Do you ever compare to like, say, insects where, mm. I mean, say like... A, yeah, who cares about insects? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's like I'm when trying I go to, to think of a good example. Like, <laughs> right. dung beetles seem, seemingly yeah. do some fairly impressive... I would imagine they're very smell-centric. That's just a guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, so people have studied insects, um, like, like uh, especially like dragonflies. Because dragonflies, 
their visual systems organized like totally differently, but um, they can do all this hovering and like, you know, go after prey like in midair and they, they do all this crazy like helicoptery, you know, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mainly look at birds and mammals and, and human brains mm-hmm. and they kind of look at those comparisons. But I have some colleagues that, you know, they look at fish brains and you can get into the genetics a lot more in organisms, you know, maybe like a fish or a insect or something like that like flies you know you Mm -hmm. can do a lot of gene splicing and crazy stuff and see how it affects their vision so that that stuff's interesting it's not something i usually look into Hmm. so most humans have uh three cones in their Mm -hmm. eyes for processing color Mm -hmm. um three cone types yeah three cone types what uh what's a bird got uh so most birds have what are called double cones so they have they have these double cones they've got um rods right and then, um, depending what pigment, you know, so the, the cones are defined by what pigment goes in them. And pigeons have like five pigments, whereas we only have three. So we call them um, pentachromatic, I think the word is. So they have a five color system. Now, what that looks like for them, psh, we don't know. Like you can do some behavioral testing stuff. And they seem to do pretty good on the blue end of the spectrum, but not so good at the orange and the red end of the spectrum. Hmm. But they can also see into the ultraviolet, which we can't do. Some other animals can do that too, like bees, like honeybees can see ultraviolet uh, because their whole spectrum is shifted down to the low end of the spectrum, the Mm. short wavelengths. Yeah. It's always cool to think about like, what is it? What does things look like for them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they're seeing stuff. We just don't even have any like concept of what that looks like. Like what is ultraviolet? What color is ultraviolet? It blows your brain away. You know, it's like, how can you Mm -hmm. know what that is? You know, double cones. Yeah. Double cones are pretty interesting. more cones put in there. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's, there's some, you'd be able to discriminate more colors that way. There, I I believe there's some female human females that have four, a fourth cone type. Hmm. Um, and guys don't, females don't go colorblind guys. Cause it's usually a sex linked trait. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that is fascinating to them. We're missing out on a lot of colors. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, what, we just needed these ones? There's got to be some other yeah, good I've colors always, out yeah, there. Right. That- <laughs> Whatever it would be called, I don't know, but yeah. I've always heard or thought that it was the, you know, the for humans that the male was more visually, like, a visually, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Like visual, spatial, like stuff? Yeah, or- we were just, it was more important to us. You know, right? Yeah, we're like more. Yeah, there's some of that data has been disputed. Um, there's just like it's kind of like an evolutionary thing. Oh well, men were out hunting and throwing spears, and so we're really good at visual motor, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas women were hunter, you know, they they were gathering and da 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 da. Um, those differences are probably not as big as as often as like presented, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but in terms of spatial awareness, that there's some data that that men kind of on average can do a bit better than than females whether that's an evolutionary thing or it's a cultural thing you know spatial awareness is not the same as as color cones and right yeah no not exactly i mean that's the raw material for that kind of spatial awareness stuff but yeah it's probably more brain like on the level of the brain or something yeah well it is you know this is a issue in evolutionary psychology where there's like so many similarities and then you find like a a little difference and then that's the one you blow it up and make a big theory about it yeah um what what about when Birds that migrate compared mm-hmm. to birds that don't migrate. Right. I would think that it would take more intelligence or neural flexibility mm-hmm. to migrate, to be right. in new environments all of the time. Is that Yeah, I would think that's true. I, I'm not sure about that data, but I, w- I would imagine that's true because to, like, to navigate, obviously you need the... Like for migration, you need that navigation sense, right? You need to be able to deal with different environments. You need to be sensitive to like light cues because that's when the seasons are changing. Like, okay, it's time to pack up, you know, and move from Europe to Africa or whatever, Mm. you know, whatever their migration pattern is. So I would imagine that they have a bigger brain. They have more flexibility that way. There's also a lot of, um, there's some stuff related to um, diet and and like bird intelligence. Like, Like if you have a more varied diet, you tend to have a bigger brain. Hmm. or if you um are more social you tend to have a bigger brain because you're you're in a, a flock right and if there's social interactions between these you know these individuals then that kind of drives brain evolution too being a, a like a highly social species hmm. which some birds are some birds aren't i had this question i thought of on the way over and it might be kind of confusing it, how much of a role is dopamine playing in the visual Hmm. Uh, processing and perception i imagine if you spot a berry Mm -hmm. there's some sort of 
uh, dopamine happening to like is, interact yeah. and make you go like, ooh, I better go and get that right. thing. So my understanding is that, um, a, a lot of the retina runs on glutamate, but there also is dopamine hmm. uh, in the retina because I know people with Parkinson's disease can have some visual like problems. And, you know, d- Parkinson's is associated with dopamine, you know, being too low, like being mm-hmm. depleted. Um, as far as like the kind of the rewarding aspect of like seeing something like, I don't know, like aesthetics or something maybe is what you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you see something nice and you get this little burst of dopamine. It's a, probably much more of a brain centric thing than a retina kind of thing. I see. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, everybody. It's Elaine Welteroth, and I'm hosting a new podcast called Built to Last by American Express, where we will dive deep into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Our debut season will focus on Black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. In each episode, we feature the story of a Black business trailblazer that has inspired a modern Black-owned business. First up is Pinky Cole of Atlanta's food truck turned restaurant, Saleti Vegan. We'll also chat with Hanifa Muemba, the cutting edge designer behind the Hanifa 3D digital fashion show. Plus, we'll check in with Issa Rae, our modern day renaissance woman. We hope that it encourages all of our listeners to support these businesses as well as the black owned businesses in your own communities. Tune in for these amazing stories and others on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's JCPenney here, back with some great gift ideas for everyone on your list. And they're all available now at your local JCPenney or online. Need gifts for her? Check out our selection of diamond jewelry that's sure to put a sparkle in her eye. Or help her cozy up at home with pajama separates and super soft slippers. For him, try JCPenney's grooming products, like shave sets and trimmers. Or compliment his style with smart flannels and jeans from brands like Arizona, Levi's, and more. Also, stop by Sephora inside JCPenney to find top fragrances for both him and her. For the kids, shop this year's must-have toys and games for all ages. Or bring smiles to all with matching sleepwear sets for the whole family. And for everyone else on your list, share some warmth with a heated blanket, an ultra-cozy scarf, or let them decide with a gift card. There are so many ways to share the joy this holiday season, and so many ways to shop JCPenney. Visit a store near you, pick up curbside, or go to jcp.com. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. I was just curious what um, the way in which... So I imagine when we're born, much of our visual perception, Mm -hmm. at least in humans, is kind of like a bit of a blob. Right. Um, I mean, some birds need to be pretty ready to go pretty, right, you know, right get up to speed pretty quickly um and, yeah, baby, and then, babies are pretty helpless you know, on all, all kinds of things but yeah their visual system they can recognize um well they're really tuned into faces mm-hmm. like when they're infants mm-hmm. but their eyes like their vision is very cloudy and everything's not kind of hooked up yet it takes yeah. kind of a sensitive period to get all that stuff hooked up right but it seems like there would be some sort of you know you get rewarded for seeing the right sort of thing mm. and then and then there's and then your perception uh, it makes that stuff kind of stick out a little more to you right. and, and, yeah. and you pay a little more i'm just trying to figure out why it yeah, is like a feedback loop kind of thing yeah yeah i mean obviously looking around a room right now you have a, like a bare wall here mm-hmm. and then you have a couple pictures on the wall right. the pictures on the wall are dominating more of my conscious visual right. perception than the actual physical space that they're mm-hmm. taking up in the room because right. it just is attracting the eye a little more and yeah and then i was i was kind of thinking is there some sort of uh this this might be a way too complicated question or or maybe i'm just asking the wrong thing but i was, I was also thinking about confirmation bias mm-hmm. and and how that's happening in the brain when you when you see or hear something like the the i learned the word liminal space like liminal space (laughs) uh, like a month ago or two months ago or something like that now it's just like uh, it's all i see right everywhere right and and uh i wonder if there's some sort of feedback system like that with 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 the visual system as well yeah i think confirmation bias is a good word for that so it kind of reminds me of um you know the brain is just full of associations like Mm -hmm. you you learn this thing goes with this thing and this thing goes with this thing so when when a concept is activated in your mind it reminds you of all the other stuff that's kind of closely connected to it, you know? So, so once you've got a word or like, I know when I was looking for a new car recently, 
now I'm noticing all the cars like on the road, like, Oh, that's an Altima and that's a, whatever it is. And you know, before I wasn't even paying attention, but now it just stands out like, Oh, there's that car. There's that car. Should I buy that car? That looks pretty cool. What year that is, you know? So it just kind of like, it's activated in your brain. And so everything that comes in, it kind of gets filtered through that like association or something. Mm. Hmm. So what kind of, what do your actually, some of your studies actually look like? Mm. Um, and, I hope it's even uh, screwing with birds even more than taking them out in the middle of nowhere and just, and just seeing. With. So a lot of my work um, has been, so part of my work is the anatomy, like figuring yeah. out which neurons are talking to which neurons, kind of like, like, like a, you know, like a wiring diagram of mm-hmm. the brain basically. Um, and most of that stuff, I did some in the visual system and now I'm doing it more in the dopamine system and how, different areas of the brain are connected and are they similar to what you see in humans? Are they different? And then some behavioral stuff um, is looking at how birds um, basically put them in what we call a Skinner box, right? Which is a little operant chamber. We show them different visual stimuli and then we um, train them that one one stimulus you get fed, the other stimulus, the lights go out, kind of like a punishment. And we, we randomly assign them to different keys and they peck on the key where they're supposed to get, you know, they peck on the, the positive key or the one that they rewarded, they get some food, they peck the other key, it goes dark. And then we see how dopamine plays an effect uh, on their ability to pay attention and also to switch. Like we, we switch up the rules on them. So now the key that used to get them fed, now that's the lights out key. And we see how long it takes them to be flexible and switch to another strategy. And that's like a dopamine driven kind of thing. Hmm. Hmm. So if you take a brain of a, of a bird, like a, say, say a mockingbird, or mm-hmm. something, um, which take it easy, by the way, mockingbirds, <laughs> like just relax. Cruel little, little bastards <laughs> mocking us just, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they're just, come on. It's just like very twitchy and, yeah. and frantic, like chill out a <laughs> little bit. Be like a vulture. <laughs> chill out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Say say you take what and you blow it up mm-hmm. in imaging or whatever to right. a human size mm-hmm. brain. What are the big differences that you're looking at? Hmm. So the first thing you would notice is they don't have a cerebral cortex, mm-hmm. right? That like six layers of cells that only mammals have. Um, and some some of my work in the past has been you know for a long time we thought bird brains were um, if you take kind of the, the simpler components of like a primate brain, what mm-hmm. we call the basal ganglia. We thought that's all the bird brain was, was just that chunk. And that's been associated just with instinct and you know, not very complex behavior. But now we've learned that, you know, the the outer part of the human brain, even though it's all wrinkly, it's got these six layers, um, birds have similar groupings of neurons. They're just arranged differently. So their brain kind of took a different trajectory, right, in their evolution. But the same groups of neurons and the way they connect to other parts of the brain are, are all there. They just look Hmm. different you know from just a you know a casual well not casual but once you get to the microscopic analysis and con- and look at how the connections are, are made they look a lot more you know like a primate or a mammal brain than hmm. you would expect so it's my understanding that hmm. birds have evolved independently um many times right. in in different mm-hmm. regions from different um constraints right. that were, were they made it through the dinosaurs well they are dinosaurs actually but yeah all birds yeah, yeah. Oh, wow yeah there, there was a debate a long time like in, in back i was gonna say a long time ago in the 90s um uh, there was a debate about whether birds were dinosaurs or just related to dinosaurs and that's pretty much been put to rest like they are dinosaurs that they're, they're the only living lineage of dinosaur were, were you on survived. the right side of history i was on the right side of history <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you I was you like, can tell in the way that you're talking yeah. about it it's like we some idiots them. thought i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry scientists out there uh there was some good evidence on the other side but yeah we won so how do you think that they survived you know the great extinction of dinosaurs yeah that's a really good question away bud (laughs) they just flew flew a better part (laughs) a non-burning part of the earth i guess uh yeah that's a good question though because mammals survived that period too like there were just a handful of species of mammals we think they were just burrowing you know kind of organisms and then once the dinosaurs get kicked out um, then mammals could kind of like take over and we, we ah. fill, filled all these niches and stuff like that. But I guess birds hadn't had enough flexibility to do that too, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, there's actually a lot of, one of the reasons the dinosaurs kind of croaked out was because um, those large reptiles, you know, you don't really see large reptiles anymore. And part of that's the, like the oxygen carbon dioxide ratio in the atmosphere changed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like what, what's the biggest reptile now? Like a Komodo dragon or something like that? Like that's as, as kind of as big as they get yeah. because, and part of that's like their oxygen, like utilizing system and stuff is different. Mm -hmm. It can't support a huge like reptile. Hmm. Yeah, we were and being cold blooded and all that stuff. We were in the Moat Aquarium in Sarasota yesterday, and there was a what do they call it? Namalodon, the Namalodon the shark. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like we were that? like, is that real? <laughs> we we're like, they just had the job. We we're like, yeah. oh, okay, that's not real, is it? Like, that's yeah. a decoration right. of some kind. And it, it turns out there was it would eat whales. Oof. Hey, yeah. Is that like a megalodon? Or is it megalodon. even bigger than yeah, that? Yeah, the, 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 like jaw, the jaw was like almost wide open and almost as high as the ceiling. Jeez. Yeah. Um, that's scary. 60 yeah. feet, yeah. like 50 tons or something. Wow. Yeah. But that's things, amazing. Things are smaller these days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so what I was going to ask is if you have, if you have birds evolving, if flight is evolving in right. all of these different, like this, this reptile or whatever it's like grabs onto things and then it mm. eventually has like these capes so i can grab onto them better and then right. hey what do you know you can fly <laughs> these things too and then but this one over here has these feather things for warmth and and right. then uh, hey what do you know you can fly mm -hmm. um and and these are two different pressures and processes yeah. that that stumbled on uh on flight uh is there a a big difference in in their brain and and how how it's organized that's a good question um so i know that in terms of like how did flight evolve right so some some people say that feathers evolved just for a thermal like a temperature regulation thing mm. and then later they got kind of co-opted for flight and then other people claim that feathers were specifically designed or not designed but evolved you know mm -hmm. to support flight and that's an ongoing conversation you know like how that uh, came so about who, you well know? tell us who's gonna win Oh, I'll keep you in suspense. I don't know. Uh, you, you don't we have know. we have a new PhD in the room. A, he can figure it out. Yeah. You don't have a. I mean, you could record it right now, and then when they figure it out twenty years from well, now, can we can change like, it? If I, you yeah. can be like, here's the evidence. I'm no, gonna go. You, with, no, you just don't tell anyone. I'm gonna go with thermal. thermal. I'm gonna go with thermal. Yeah, it's, okay. it's pretty fundamental to be uh, what they call ectothermic versus endothermic. You can make your own body heat. That's a huge advantage. So mm. I think that helped too, because you know, like reptiles, for instance they have to get their body heat from the environment, right? So if you look at alligators or something, um, when it's cold, like they're kind of in a stupor, like they can't move around, they can't really do a lot of stuff. They have to, you know, kind of lay in the sun and get warmed up and then they can go, you know, do their mm. thing. So I favor the feather hypothesis. I, I, from what I read, I, I would have favored it as well. Not, yeah. that, not that I know anything about it, but it, <laughs> seemed, it seemed convincing to me. But I still, now I kind of hope you're wrong so that okay. like, 30 years from now someone right. just like is stumbling on this process <laughs> or they just like the ais will eventually like figure out like all of the different you just plug in everything that's ever been digitally yeah. recorded and they go like oh, okay here's the interesting person yeah. and then and then the ai will be like here's when you were wrong i just hope Damn you it. get some uh, some <laughs> <laughs> some very um sassy i could lose my job over like this people 30, come on now 30 years from now so before you before i wrap up i try to have my guests each week plug a nonprofit of their choice. Did you have one in mind? I do. The World Wildlife Fund, um, because the animals need help. Mm. Uh, you know, the, uh, every every little bit we can help. You know, the, the climate is uh, changing for some reason. <laughs> Don't know what it is. <laughs> hmm. uh, there's some dispute about that among certain quarters. But uh, yeah, I doubt in my listeners. Uh, okay, well, we we know it's us, and we need to freaking cut it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, World Wildlife World Wildlife Fund has a lot of a lot of different programs, uh, lots of different kinds of animals um, to you know help them not only deal with climate change, but just you know in, in poaching and encroachment on habitat and all kinds of stuff so that's my plug yeah i mean uh, the one thing uh, i've always kind of thought in terms of global warming that the vultures are somewhat responsible but uh <laughs> but that's just my own you know, you know that's you know, a theory just, i'm not a collect fan. some data you <laughs> know not, this not is how science moves forward yeah um so that that's that is a fantastic worthy cause listeners can also go to the here we are podcast.com website for a link to that awesome. or you can just remember and type that in however you choose to give is the correct way to do it steve -O, you got some stuff you want to plug uh yeah sure i'm, a, I'm gonna 
plug my Instagram. That's where I most put most of my stand-up clips and where I'm touring. And uh, that's Epi Gillespie uh, is the handle. E-P-I Gillespie. Gillespie's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E. Got a new album coming out uh, by the end of this year. That'll be on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora. Love it. Love awesome. it. And you have the... Uh, what is it the liminal space liminal space tours <laughs> tour. going on if you go to my instagram you'll see all my tour dates i post pretty regularly terrific Did you, you were serious about the liminal space thing that, that was yeah. occupying your consciousness all yeah right. cool. yeah 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 I'm, I'm contributing um to a book about business lessons from hmm. the world of comedy oh, nice. and that's and then that was uh in there hmm. and i'm not going to define it for the listeners that don't know i'm just driving them completely insane right, right. now well, at least to that the would google. be yes. my reaction <laughs> so they're going to have to google it and just ever since that time it's just like <laughs> how have i never seen this word yeah. or noticed yeah. rather yeah. this word yeah, in my entire pretty, life pretty cool word and now it's just everywhere i have one last question for our <sighs> phd no oh, sorry. this goes on and on yeah <laughs> do we have time <laughs> yeah of course okay because uh, my girlfriend likes to tell me things that aren't true like she claimed <gasps> that the mcdonald's milkshakes okay. were potato based i heard that before it's not true yeah and then she's also told me that it's also crow. not true it's actual food but that's i mean a whole it's thing. not it's not like she's like messing with you well it's like jury's out jury's out but uh <laughs> she claims that crows if you right. feed crows like in nature you feed uh-huh. crows that they will come back to where you are mm-hmm. You know, when you're not there and leave you little like prizes, they'll bring you like, shoot, you know, they'll find like a shiny thing and they'll pick it up and fly it over and put it by where you. I have not heard that, but I, I, knew, it. That. I knew she was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I do know crows can recognize people's faces. Yeah. They've done uh-huh. experiments showing that so they can, uh-huh. they can individuate human faces. Okay. Cool. And, and so they, they, they did an experiment where they had a mask, right? Yeah. And and one one guy who wore the mask like harassed the crows and chased them around, and then the other one like fed them or was like neutral. And then like three four years later, they did the same experiment. And when once when the crows and even the crows' offspring saw the guy in the bad mask, like they mobbed him, like they attacked him. Really? Yeah. So they're like, hey, is there that? There's that guy from a couple years ago. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty. It was pretty cool that they yeah. bothered the to remember. Offspring without seeing the parents ever do that's how i understand it yeah but but maybe they were around and they at least learned that the parent didn't like that guy Mm -hmm. it seems like some otherwise it'd be some odd epigenetic changes to be happening just so kids if you ever see this guy around (laughs) watch out he's a total asshole (laughs) <laughs> all right well that sounds like that might be true then yeah, it could be think, it could I be i, that could, that I think yeah. that could be true Possibly. they're able to recognize people yeah. they're able to show some sort of favor yeah. person yeah. or something yeah and uh as uh, rihanna is steve's girlfriend is my assistant by mm-hmm. the way and so um we're gonna so go, she may be speaking truth about yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about this. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to the bottom yeah, of it. Yeah. Oh, we will. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fantastic. Did you have anything yeah. else you wanted to uh, add before we wrap up? Uh, I think no. I got it seems like we solved everything. I think we I figured think it pretty out. Close. We oh, got, pretty okay. close. We got okay. Feathers well, one other for, thing. For, for warmth. Uh, you yeah. are Dr. Husband. Right. Correct. Yeah. How that's awesome amazing. is that? <laughs> I mean, I'm a doctor. I'm a husband. Imagine my grade school experience, how much I had to deal with that name. Yeah. But it's worked out pretty I love it. I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. For yeah, awesome. Me. It was great being on with you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. And thank you listeners for being such a wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. A podcast network.